Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Dr. Richard Savell. Dr. Savell is the Associate Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. He also is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care Podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast, recorded Tuesday, November 8, 2005. I'm your host, Dr. Rich Savell. Today it is again my great honor to have the opportunity to interview the president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Peter Angood. Dr. Angood is vice president of the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations and chief patient safety officer of the Joint Commission International Center for Patient Safety. During Dr. Angood's term as president of SCCM, the society has experienced exceptional growth and has been involved in multiple novel innovative activities. In addition, SCCM has assisted at the national level during times of crisis. Today we get to hear some of his personal thoughts on how his year has gone and what his predictions are for our society as well as our field as a whole. Good afternoon, Peter. How are you? Good afternoon, Rich. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, I thought we'd begin begin the interview by letting you talk to the members of SCCM about what your uh, accomplishments that you're most proud of uh, during the past year as president of SCCM? Oh, that's always a difficult question to answer, but thank you for answering, asking it. Um, the Society of Critical Care Medicine is just such a, an enthusiastic and vibrant organization, and uh, I think the most exciting part in all of this is just working with the people and the members. Uh, the staff have been terrific in supporting me in, in the role as president. And, uh, while we're only roughly 35 years old, this organization is behaving as if it's far more mature and sophisticated overall. You know, as I view this past year, I've come to recognize that, you know, we are entering out of our early stage of uh, growth and uh, stabilization from our move over to Chicago from our historic roots in, in California. And the past four years, five years have been just rapid uh, acceleration in all of our activities and all of our uh, initiatives as a result of, uh, of that move. Clearly, the membership in terms of numbers and the uh, diversity of our membership is uh, probably the most obvious indicator of our growth. The membership is now uh, well in and around the 13,000 membership number mark. Uh, we are clearly international in our scope, and we have representation for uh, somewhere between 80 and 90 different countries at this point in time. And so as we try to provide the educational materials and the clinical materials to support that diverse membership, uh, SCCM has just, uh, I think, uh, responded uh, magnificently as we continue to look forward in our future. Some of the uh, activities that I focused upon were uh, what you would consider, I guess, uh, uh, sort of organizational infrastructure uh, and these were all needed because of this rapid growth and expansion. Uh, we've retooled the uh, 
committee structure and facilitated the committees uh, being better aligned for all of the different types of actions and activities that the organization is up to. Uh, we've really made strong efforts to improve the flow of information and the effectiveness of our uh, communications to the membership and to uh, all of the people involved with our different types of uh, initiatives. And then we've also uh, continued to get re more refined in our strategic planning process and looking at ways to uh, anticipate where this organization needs to get in uh, not only the next couple of years, but over the next three, five, and even perhaps 10-year horizon. And so in doing all of this, we've uh, reevaluated all of our different types of partnerships and collaborative uh, opportunities, and we have taken opportunity in there to expand our involvement with a whole host and variety of other types of organizations. And the reason we have done that is because we are getting recognized on a broader level, both nationally and internationally, uh, the scope of influence and scope of uh, involvement that SCCM represents in terms of critical care. So it's become important for us to have a broader base of uh, collaborations going. Other types of activities that I, I have enjoyed is our expansion of the educational programs, our uh, involvement with disaster preparedness or emergency preparedness has become very well recognized. The programs that we have coming into place to help support education and uh, anticipation of how hospital staff and providers should react to disaster preparedness are very strong programs. And as a result of these, we have uh, become more uh, visible uh, nationally and as well internationally in these. The international component uh, is, is magnificent with this organization. We, you know, when you're doing a review of this sort, it's, you always run the risk of uh, uh, not mentioning everyone, but uh, we truly are uh, all around the globe in terms of our involvement with different countries, different types of organizations from these different countries. And that was very evident uh, when we were down in South America at the World Federation of uh, Critical Care Medicine uh, meetings. The strength of SCCM's name and what it represents is very, very powerful. And, uh, this is something that this organization can continue to be proud of. In all of this, we do need to make special mention to the, to the staff and uh, the professional abilities that they have. And that was never more evident in the uh, follow-on after the New Orleans uh, Hurricane Katrina disasters. We clearly... Uh, you know, we're able to respond as an organization to the potential needs of uh, the victims of Katrina as well as to the hospitals involved in the sets of hurricane disasters. The organization interacted with uh, governmental agencies as well as several other organizations. And our own membership responded in uh, droves in order to try and help uh, provide some direct hands-on relief. It seems like the uh, the issue of disaster management is something that SCCM is very much a part of, and really got to sort of flex its muscle and see see what uh, what it could really implement. Uh, both, as you've mentioned uh, multiple times, for the uh, change in venue, as well as helping out in these multiple natural disasters that have occurred both uh, in the United States and across the world. Yeah, and that. You know, actually started back in and around my presidential address last January because uh, the tsunami had uh, recently just hit, and we were interacting with communities way back at that time, and we've continued to do so all along. 
And, you know, critical care is, is that. It's critical care, and it doesn't matter where the patients are located or what's the reasons for why they've become um, unstable. And so our organization's involvement in emergency preparedness and the management of the consequences of disasters, I think, has become um, important for us. It's uh, currently a part of our defining profile, if you will, and we have responded by uh, putting the program materials and the educational materials into place to help support that and are being recognized for those efforts. And and uh, actually, during a couple of my uh, hurricane podcasts, talking with people who had volunteered, it sounded like SCCM just having a list of appropriate people to help out was a major part of helping to get people quickly where they needed to be. Yes, uh, you're right there, Rich. I mean, one of the difficulties in responding to any of these types of situations is being able to obtain an inventory of resources, and that includes the people resources as well as which institutional resources might be available to help respond. And while we all recognize that governmental and uh, to some degree organizational responses around Katrina in particular were perhaps a bit flawed, uh, SCCM was uh, you know, very sophisticated in its own approaches and has uh, I think, become more mature in its own responses as to how it uh, facilitates uh, the overall broader-based type of response in these disaster preparation. Don't forget, in behind all of this, we happened to move our pre-planned meeting from New Orleans to San Francisco all in the space of less than a week. So uh, we happened to respond to the disasters of the hurricanes, but we also looked after our own needs simultaneously in terms an, of our an, annual meeting. An internal rapid response team, if you will. If you will, yes. The, uh, and it is, you know, we've gotten very good at uh, scanning the horizon for influences of change on uh, critical care and health care as well as doing strategic planning. But in part of all of that is doing scenario planning. And we had previously planned the scenario of what if our annual Congress needed to be canceled and moved. And so when it actually occurred this year, we were right there and able to, to make that all happen without uh, much of a hiccup at all. Um, our uh, our next major sort of uh, question for the interview would be, uh, of all the projects you've become involved in this year, if you were to be president for another year, what would be some of the major ones that you would want to, to focus in on if you had another year as president? Well, if I only had another year, right? It would be terrific. Disaster work, I think, uh, occupied a lot of our time. Uh, we also spent a lot of our time this year staying focused upon the influence of industry and industry partners with uh, not-for-profit organizations. And we really uh, did a very deep introspective uh, analysis of uh, what types of values and standards SECM wanted to follow as it addressed its uh, industry partnerships. Uh, we are still in the process of moving forward with you know, our next phase or our uh, development strategy for industry partnerships. Industry is clearly a component of healthcare as an industry, and we feel it's important to interact with industry partners, uh, but we need to do it in such a way that it is uh, very clear as to what the values and the standards are, and so that there isn't any, uh, any hint whatsoever of undue influence or indirect influence of uh, industry uh, into the processes of uh, not-for-profit organizations such as SCCM. And that's a that's a large sort of ongoing challenge because it's a from what I understand it's a it's a more than a small change in terms of the way that there has been to some degree uh, relationships with some of these uh, organizations. 
Yeah, you know, the uh, governmental regulations are getting more and more strict. I think Congress and Senate are going to continue to focus in on the interactions of not-for-profit agencies and their relationships to industry. And we've really wound up being out on the leading edge of our response as an organization in this fashion. And I think we've done it very methodically and uh, with a very good outcome so far, but it will be an ongoing process. And so to answer your original question, what would I do in the in the next year? It would be to uh, basically consolidate some of these ideas around industry partnerships, but also, and perhaps more importantly for, for my vantage, would be then to continue developing that interaction with other professional organizations and influence groups uh, so that we can push the agenda of uh, critical care and the, the needs that patients involved with critical care truly have uh, so that as our whole healthcare economy moves along, that critical care gets properly and uh, effectively represented in all of this. Um, before we get to uh, our last question, I was looking over your uh, your sort of uh, article discussing your year in review, and there was one section I just genuinely wanted to ask you about, if I could. And you spoke about, sorry, I apologize. You, you spoke about that we're shifting from an historical products-based healthcare industry to a process-based era of healthcare, and you mentioned some terms that I just wanted to just discuss with you. You mentioned design science, lean organizations, scale to complexity, value-based leadership, uh, microsystems management, and integrated safety nets. Um, these are obviously, I mean, to the average doctor, these are not words that uh, people maybe particularly familiar with, but I was just wondering if you could comment on it uh, in terms of process change, I guess, and process management across the organization. Sure. Well, thank you for uh, bringing that up. I think, you know, products-based healthcare is pretty much that. We've uh, had historical uh, behaviors of physicians, nurses, and other types of practitioners. The focus has been to try and make patients well and in that process, we've always had a host of different types of uh, technologies and products to make us do that. But we haven't ever really looked at the processes of healthcare in a sophisticated way. And part of what's going on in healthcare these days is that shift in recognizing that, gosh, it's the processes and the systems of support around uh, healthcare and healthcare providers that is really what makes. Um, for good quality care, efficient care, and quite honestly, safe care. And so we are entering into this phase of a, sort of a process-based era, and it, it will be a bit of a pendulum swing because, you know, there's always going to be new products. There's always going to be new technologies. There's always going to be new devices. But if we get preoccupied by those, then we will forget our basic principles or tenets of, of what are effective systems for providing care. It is, if the systems aren't into place, then there winds up being opportunities for error. And it's, you know, we need to help the patients, we need to help the practitioners uh, not have errors occur in the processes of care. And so those terms that you listed are, are examples of many from engineering science, if you will, or systems re-engineering, and to some degree sociology and even anthropology principles as to what it is to help human behavior function in a system effectively, and perhaps as importantly, what is it that the systems need to do in terms of their architecture and processes to help the humans function to their optimal. Humans will make errors. 
we just need to provide the support. Right. So, I mean, to try and summarize it, uh, as as uh, SCCM has mentioned, it's a very it can be a dangerous environment in the intensive care unit, and we really need to optimize our processes across the institutions to make sure we're providing the safest possible care for critically ill patients, which can be very challenging. That's it. I mean, the critically ill are the sickest of the sick, and we all know that. And you know, in part, that's why um, SCCM launched its Right Care Right Now uh, campaign because it, it really is driving us back to the basic premise of trying to provide high-quality, safe, and efficient patient care, and by doing it through organizational systems process to help support everybody who's involved in that, that care. And, of course, SCCM can be a guide to, uh, to help institutions deal with these kinds of sea changes. Oh, we've got a tremendous amount of resources, both uh, on our websites as well as uh, electronically and through all our different venues of educational meetings and congresses. It's, that's... When I opened up my uh, comments with you, uh, SCCM is a vibrant, uh, dynamic organization. And while I'm clearly biased, it, if you compare it to other organizations of like uh, size and uh, venue, it, this one's a, a lead organization. I wanted to uh, conclude our time today, perhaps letting you give some advice, perhaps to intensivists who are just starting out, such as myself critical care doctors in training or perhaps residents in internal medicine, anesthesia, or surgery who are considering a career in critical care medicine? Oh, great. Thank you. Great question. You know, uh, healthcare is not going to go away. Uh, diseases are uh, essentially the same, although we get some new variations, mostly on the infectious diseases side. But people will always get sick, and some people will always get even more sick than the other, the critically ill. And in behind all of this, it's the patients, it's their families, it's those, the caring for those people that really helps to, you know, bring us back to our roots and trying to understand some of the science or the basic, basic physiology. And so I would encourage people who are starting up to, you know, get themselves well-grounded in the sciences, try to maintain a, a passion and an interest for the sciences around the provision of care, but don't forget, it is the patients, it is their families that it's all about. It's your own family. It's you at some point. You're going to need some care. And so while I just went on about systems and engineering, you have to recognize that there is clearly change in the way healthcare is delivered. And so there is going to be ongoing change for the duration of uh, anyone's career time. And to get involved in the processes of change helps you to provide some perspective for yourself, uh, and it helps you to provide improvements for your patients. But what will keep you happy and stimulated is recognizing it's the patients, recognizing it's the science and the biology of the patients, and that while the systems will make you frustrated at times, make sure you get involved, make sure you participate, and always try to look for the broader-based perspective and get out to the... Um, network of uh, organizational meetings, your network of fellow practitioners, because that, that will help you ultimately provide better care for those patients we all enjoy providing care for. We've been speaking with Dr. Peter Angood, the president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine. He's the vice president of the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations and chief patient safety officer of the Joint Commission International Center for Patient Safety. And uh, just to conclude from my standpoint, uh, you know, critical care is many, many things, as I've 
as I knew and learned even more as I've been doing these podcasts. But as you pointed out, the common theme is a passion for providing the highest quality critical care possible. You got that right, Rich, and thank you so much for this opportunity. This concludes our podcast, recorded November 8th, 2005. Thank you again to Dr. Angood for his tireless devotion to our society. You can read more about his closing thoughts as president in the December issue of Critical Care Medicine. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. Registration is open for SCCM's 35th Critical Care Congress. Please note the date and location change to January 7th through 11th, 2006 at the San Francisco Masconi West Convention Center. Learn innovative treatments in critical care, as well as fundamental business practices to improve your ICU environment, all developed by a multi-professional team of critical care experts. Register today by speaking with a SCCM customer service representative at 1-847-827-6888 or visit www.sccm.org. Don't miss out on this unsurpassed educational opportunity in beautiful San Francisco, California.